For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. I've got a great show for you guys today. I'll be joined by Josh Kendall of The Athletic, who does an excellent job covering the Atlanta Falcons. He joins me from Indianapolis to break down the biggest news pertaining to the Falcons coming from the NFL Combine. We also talk about Justin Fields, all the rumors swirling around. What is smoke? What is fire? What should you listen to? Does Justin Fields make sense in this offense? We get into all of that. We talk about the NFLPA report card, Jonu Smith being released, who could be following him. So it's a jam-packed episode coming from the Combine. We've got it for you all today. Before we get to that, I want to encourage you guys to subscribe, comment, rate, and follow this podcast. And please make sure you tell all of your fellow Falcons fans to do the same. You can also watch us on Believe TV around the country in airports and on YouTube. Check out Believe in Falcons. We're putting up most of our podcasts there. This one, unfortunately, will not be going up there. I am rearranging my office. So check out YouTube in the near future to see what the updates look like. Don't have it all set up uh, just yet for this one. So go check out all of our other podcasts up on our Believe in Falcons YouTube channel, including the position review series, which is rolling out right now. We've got the defense up next uh, coming on Monday will be the inside linebackers, but we've already got our interior defensive line and the edge rushers up as well as all of the offense. So go check all of that out. You can also read all of the top Believe stories at SI.com. That's right. We're at SI.com. And of course, follow us across all of our Believe socials. So let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and get into my conversation with Josh Kendall of The Athletic from Indianapolis. Here we go. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile devices. So head to BetOnline today to become part of the team, and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, the game starts here. We've got a great new sponsor that I am excited to tell y'all about. I love betting my friends and betting them on anything, whether that's sports games or, yeah, I remember one time we were down at the Varsity here in Atlanta, a couple of buddies, one bet another that, you know, they wouldn't ingest uh, the seasoning salts that go on the French fries down there at the Varsity through, we'll just say the nasal passage, and it was enjoyed by all except for the person that actually had to do the bet. So... If you're like me and you like betting on anything and everything, then let me tell you about Cut. 
The Cut app is a peer-to-peer social betting platform that's legal in over 40 states. Cut has customizable odds, tracking capabilities, and an entire social network with group chats, user profiles, and rewards. I feel like that is really what sets it apart. And with all your payments, there is no need for Venmo. So whether you want to bet your friends on the next game or who can down the most hot wings, head over to Cut. And be sure to use our promo code BELIEVEFALCONS, that's B-L-E-A-V, FALCONS, for a 10% welcome deposit bonus. Don't forget that promo code one more time. It is Believe Falcons, B-L-E-A-V, Falcons, to get that deposit bonus. Cut. Put your money where your mouth is. Very excited to be joined by Josh Kendall of The Athletic. You guys can follow him on Twitter, at Josh The Athletic. Um, and of course, go read all of his written stuff. He's got some great pieces, including the 30 prospects who should be on the Falcons big board for the uh, the draft or just some of the names that are probably on that big board. And also, you know, the big news coming out of the combine, the Falcons need to get the quarterback position right. So I expect that is where we're going to kick this conversation off, Josh. But how are you doing, man? How's the combine treating you? And how's the week been? Uh, good, you know, better, better than I deserve, probably. It's uh, <laughs> it's a it can be a long week, but it's usually pretty informative. Um, the Falcons folks came through early. Uh, Terry Fontenot, Raheem Morris, and Raheem, Raheem Morris promptly left. He's taken the um, the Los Angeles Rams kind of approach to the combine. You know, not not many, if any, of the on of the staff, the the on field coaching staff will be coming. The scouting staff will all be here all week. The other guys will be back in Flowery Branch watching tape, getting all their other ducks in a row. So it's kind of the way the Rams have done it. So. I haven't seen Raheem since Tuesday. I haven't seen Terry since Tuesday either, but he's here. I think he should probably just hold up watching tape or talking to somebody else. Do you, uh, where do you stand on that approach? Because I remember when the Rams started doing it a, a few years ago and it did make kind of those headlines. And, you know, Raheem clarified when brought up at the, the media scrum this week, kind of it was really the coaching staff that didn't make the trip there. And it, I guess it feels like, or it seems as though they can get everything they, they need to over zoom or what have you. And the scouts are the ones that really they'll rely on. You know, do you think that's a sound approach or, you know, where, where do you stand on it? I mean, it comes from Sean McVay and he knows this, you know, better, better than me, probably, you know, he has a <laughs> Super Bowl ring. Personally, my, my thought is it, it can't be as good. A zoom conversation with a person can't be as good as an in-person face-to-face conversation. There's so much information at these things that's passed um, sort of informally on chance meetings. You know, I think you just mm-hmm. get a much better sense of people when you're really in a room with them as opposed to as opposed to when you're when you're zooming them. Um, now, the Falcons will have top 30 visits where they'll bring people to their facility. They'll the coaches will meet them then and get a really good feel for them. Um, but it seems to me and this is, you know, this is what the Falcons are doing is becoming more and more prevalent. You know, the the Rams, the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan's not here. Robert Sala, I guess, was not going to show up, but now has been talked into he, he will be here. But I don't I don't fit. It doesn't seem that any of those coaching staffs are here either. So several people are taking a different approach to it. It seems weird to me. The whole purpose of this event is to you know, evaluate these people in person. Um, that would still seem to have some value to me. 
But I guess if you completely trust your scouting staff and feel like they can, you know, they can convey everything as completely as you need it, then you do it this way. And I, I guess the other part of that would be what is the benefit of not being there, right? What are you using this time for? I mean, maybe it's just extra downtime as we're, we're seeing at the college level. It seems like there's no downtime at all. Maybe maybe dudes are just trying to find some some R&R or more likely, you know, they're using this time productively to get stuff installed, things like that back at the facility. Yeah, I, I think that the idea is they're all working. They're yeah. just back in the office, you know, along along with sort of the positive things that I think can come from Indianapolis. There can be a lot of distractions at this place too. So, <laughs> you know, you're almost, this can be like a coaching staff retreat for those guys. They're in the building. The scouts are all out of there. You know, it's a downtime of year. They can get a lot of work done, just their group together. And I, and I would say it would seem that there's some benefit to that too. For sure. And yeah, I mean, you're right. The The shrimp cocktail and flowery branch is is not the same level of the, the shrimp cocktail that you're getting to say now. A lot of people in, in Indianapolis staying out till two or three in the morning and no, nobody in flowery, but they, they roll up the street, the sidewalk at flowery branch. Two, two yeah, no, I've, I've, uh, I've seen both places at, at 2 a.m. And yeah, they're, they're not comparable. Um, so the big news kind of coming out of, of the combine is the quarterback. And Sometimes I, I find these, especially the combine, because it does fall during that weird period where teams can't talk about the players that we're all talking about and everybody right. is aware <laughs> that we're talking about. So it's kind of one of these saying nothing, but maybe there's some some glimpses of, of what they want to do. That didn't come about in terms of any one quarterback, but I do think we got an idea that the Falcons are maybe going to take a similar approach to quarterback that they did their head coaching search, which is a deliberate aggressiveness. We're going yeah, to o- overturn every single stone, but we're also you know, not going to wait for the stone to fall in our lap. If we find one we like, we're going to go ahead and throw it in our pail just to complete this metaphor and take right. it on back home, right? Is that is that your takeaway as well? Yeah, I think that they are, you know, they 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 got here with their draft board and quarterbacks ranked pretty solidly. Now they said they could massage it, but they knew when they kept, when they got here how they liked these quarterbacks in order. That's all based on tape. And that's Bo Nix at number 1 and Michael Penix at <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So that doesn't though then equate to the other guys, the Justin Fields the Russell Wills, mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins. That's a different conversation. And those are the types of conversations. Those are the that's a lot of the business that does get done or, you know, if not done, at least discussed here as people are bumping into each other. And we've seen a lot of people say <coughs> the Falcons uh, We've seen a lot of smoke that the Falcons and Bears are having a discussion about Justin Fields. But we haven't seen anybody say they have discussed the parameters of a trade. We haven't seen anybody say that the people who actually make or would make this final decision have been in a room together or even on a phone together. Mm-hmm. I do think that it's likely that somebody in a Falcons quarter zip and somebody in a bear's quarter zip have talked this week about what that would look like and how it would work. If you're not doing that, 
you're not turning over every stone, right? Right. I mean, the, the idea is let's look under every rock and see what exactly is there. So in the next couple of days, will we see a story that says the Falcons and Bears have discussed a Justin Fields trade, according to a source, not just, you know, everything we've seen so far is very thin, nebulous reporting. Can you can we elaborate on that really quick? Because this is a point that is like you're exactly right. And we've seen the last couple of years is, you know, I think back to the Sean Watson um, kind of situation where a ton of people were almost so eager to read the tea leaves and then jump out there and like continue to fan those flames and say, I'm hearing and it seems very likely and using a lot of this nebulous language. So as somebody who does this professionally, um, and I know I have my own ways of going about it and my own beliefs, but what do you look for? Obviously, it's easier to tell a chef or a Rappaport, but, or, uh, you know, what do you look for in terms of a credible, like, this is something that I think there's, there's some meat on this bone here? Well, I think it's a judgment call for everybody. And I think, um, for me, because I'm, I'm, I'm you do I'm, your own sourcing and says, so, so I, you oh, know, it's not necessarily right. that part of it, but, right. right. But I'm, but I'm an, I'm an old guy. So, and, and we work at The Athletic, and we have certain standards, mm-hmm. you know. We, we'll talk about all this stuff, and we'll talk about, you know, like what we just talked, what we just said is that very likely, and you hear and you get all this smoke, and you hear bits of conversations and such and such. If we will write anything, it will take some meat on the bone. It will take an actual trade offer. It will take an actual sit-down meeting. And we may bear, and if those things happen, I feel pretty comfortable that we'll report it because, mm-hmm. you know, we've got boots on the ground. We've got, you know, outside of myself, some intelligent people who do their job well. And that may very well happen in the next days. But what we, what we won't write is, you know, conjecture. You know, it'll, it'll take something. It'll take us learning something substantive to write it. And like that's what Justin Fields video, right? Of him. Have you seen it of, of his, of him kind of like reacting in the oh, kitchen? Jumping yeah, I guess up I have seen that. Yes. Yeah. Like that, that kind of is what I'm talking about, right? Where that right. could be anything. And honestly, yeah. as we're sitting here talking about the Falcons being deliberate and these conversations happening at the combine, my mind, and maybe I'm just cynical this way, but my mind goes to which of the two sides has more to gain by this happening quickly. And it's Chicago. And so if I'm thinking about why is all of this coming up and coming up, you know, maybe Justin Fields has not, you know, agenda is a loaded word, but like maybe he has some reason to try to force things. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that can be a reason for it. So that is why latching on to any one thing is proof is sometimes foolish, especially at a time like this. Right. And, you know, I, I think that, um, I, I did see that video and those things like people who, who throw that out there with any sort of like are suggesting that it means anything. Yeah. I get, I get real, I get real wary of real wary of that real quick, but you're right that Chicago is really incentivized to spread as much, to put as much information into the universe as possible. Mm-hmm. It increases the offers they might get for Justin Fields it increases the offers they might get for the number one pick. So absolutely, they're incentivized to pump information out there. And you have to be aware of that. And you have to 
view everything you see and hear through that lens. I like kind of what you said and and we'll kind of pivot uh, away from the Justin Fields but also kind of stay stay on the quarterback train because he could be plan B for this team and and I that's right. something that really stuck out to me when Raheem Morris was talking and you mentioned it in in your piece kind of recapping a lot of the combine news is that the Falcons are looking for A B C D E F all of it like when it comes to this because that is what this moment and this decision requires. It requires that level of strategy, of thought, of preparation, because in the NFL, very rarely do things go your way. Right? You're, yeah. you're never just getting your first option. Right. And that is where the Falcons should be talking to Justin Fields, to, to your point. But it's also why they shouldn't be rushing into something with Justin Fields, because that would go against that kind of philosophy. So. Yeah. As we look at just the bigger picture approaches, finances are a part of this. If you want to go that short-term option with Kirk Cousins or Russ Wilson, there's going to be some financial obligation there because you're going to be paying for their services. You could go the middle route with Justin Fields, get that promise, but the price tag comes right along with it in just a couple of short years. Or you go you know, the full, we're getting a young guy, we're going to build, but you get the cost benefits there with the rookie contract. At this point in time, is it more about getting somebody for 2024 or about getting somebody for 2024 and 2027? If it's me, I'm more focused on getting somebody for 2024 because you've played the patience game for three years. You tried to make that work and it didn't work. And your front office has said, we believe this roster is built to compete now, which suggests to me that they expect to compete now. Um, I am rookie skeptical. I just, as, as a basic, you know, I think that the, the the data would tell us that a lot more often than not, the rookie quarterbacks don't work their first year. More often than not, they don't work at all. I mean, the 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 miss rate is much higher than the hit rate. You know, the Falcons are you know, a lot of people who put a lot of work into this and are pretty smart have done this for a long time and they've made a lot of mistakes doing it. So yep. you can't you can't assume you're immune to making the same mistakes that everybody else in the world has made through the history of time. So rookies are dangerous, especially if you think you're going to compete now. So I want if it's me, I want a veteran. If it's me, if you can't get Kirk Cousins, and it doesn't sound like you can, because Kirk Kevin O'Connell, you know, really feels good that they they're in a good space, and I don't know why they really wouldn't be in a good space to get Kirk, Kirk Cousins back. Mm-hmm. I would look at a guy like Jacoby Brissett. I mean, I would look at a guy who gives you a good floor at quarterback, can come in and be a pro and distribute the ball. And I think Jacoby Brissett is a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. There is no reason to believe he's ever going to be a great quarterback, but he's a good quarterback. He can come in. He can be a pro. He can run your offense. Justin Fields, yeah, you, you could go that <laughs> You could go that direction. You know, if, if you're Atlanta, you wish there was a deeper crop of – free agent quarterbacks. There was a longer mm-hmm. shopping list there because it's kind of Kirk and then then what? Then Jacoby Brissett, Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, I know people are kind of throwing stuff at their at their computer or their phone or whatever they're listening yeah. to when they hear these names. But there's no guarantee that Jaden Daniels is going to be good next year or any year. There's no guarantee that Drake May is going to be good any year. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's just that's just me, and I know a lot of Falcons fans aren't aren't happy to hear that. <laughs> no, but I mean, it it truly is like in the eye of the beholder. That's what makes quarterbacks so hard. And and one of the things that you could, you know, read one way is this is great and it's a good idea is having all of these quarterbacks in in the room and Remore is saying that we're going to rely on a lot of different opinions on who we should go and get during this process. But you could also on the flip side say, okay, well, then are there too many cooks in the kitchen? And are do you have too many voices and not enough clarity on here's exactly what we need I can't help but look at, you know, the quarterbacks that have historically worked in this type of system. And, you know, it, it is your Kirk Cousins, your Matt Ryans, your Matthew Staffords. That's not to say that, you know, somebody like a Justin Fields couldn't work in this type of, of scheme. We just really haven't seen it that much, you know, for one reason or another. But as I'm kind of wondering about that what sense have you gotten from the falcons offensively in terms of what they could be looking for at the quarterback position i know they they haven't revealed like too many specifics no team really is is, again for all the reasons at this time of the year but do you get an idea of the offense they they want to run here in atlanta and what type of quarterback could work best in that system so in terms of what kind of offense they're going to run they won't say, but I'll tell you. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Love it. Zach Robinson has worked for Sean McVay for five years. He's not worked for anybody else. Zach Robinson is going to run 11 personnel, 90% of the snaps, and they're going to throw the ball. If you want to know what the Atlanta offense, the Atlanta Falcons are going to try to make their offense look like, it's the Los Angeles Rams. That's the <laughs> offense. They yeah. They are being deliberately vague about what kind of quarterback they want because they understand circling back to our first part of our conversation. They don't necessarily get to pick the perfect guy. So they can't say, we're looking for this type of guy. And then through no mm-hmm. fault of their own, they end up with this type of guy and they've got to explain what the what the difference is. So that's smart. We're not going to put ourselves yeah. in a corner. Whatever type of quarterback we get, we're going to say, that's the guy we wanted. This is going to work fine. Yeah, they're not even defining the shape of the hole yet because right. the shape of the peg could be anything. Yeah, Right, and that's smart. I, you understand why they're doing that. But I'm glad you mentioned the number of people that they talked about having input in the decision. Just listening to the list of names was exhausting to me. I can't imagine having to sort through. I mean, I get everybody wants to be collaborative. I get that. And I get that you want everybody in your building to feel like they are a valuable part of the organization and that they, that yeah. their opinion matters. You know, they are contributing. You're rowing something. in one direction, all that, right. all those cliches. That's important. I totally get that. But I, you know, at some point you do wonder, are we just, you know, we just muddying the water here? You know, is it? Just, do we just need to get in a room and figure out this is the guy we're going to try to get? And now everybody get on board. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, there, there's plenty of time in the process. You know, time is is dwindling, but there is still time to do that. Um, and and you know, just because you're going to be listening to the fifth, sixth person on that list doesn't mean that they get right. the same the same weight. Um, yeah. Speaking of, you know, giving weight to certain facets of the organization, let's quickly talk about the NFLPA um, report card that came out and a few number or I guess a few letter grades, I should say, that that jumped out to me, starting with, I guess, the head coach. Right. We know the the locker room, the weight room, that's all going to get renovated. It's it's in the works to get 
upgraded and addressed. So even though those are the Fs, yeah, it's in the process and should be fixed this this season. Um, but the C plus grade for Arthur Smith, I you know I guess in hindsight it it's not surprising, but just given the way that we were all talking in the moment in kind of the the month period there where it was like is he is he going to lose his job here at the end of the season? I think the the feeling in the locker room was was that the you know the team felt they were still in it correcting a few things that they were closer than they were further away. And I think seeing a C plus grade bumps up against that a little bit for me. So do you have any, you know, what is your feeling on why that may have been the letter grade? Well, I think it's, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say, um, and I don't know when this survey was taken. I wish I did. I wish I knew when these players were polled. That would be interesting, but not necessarily yeah. definitive. Um, I think Arthur. I don't think Arthur Smith lost the locker room. I don't think that in any way. We were in that locker room a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys played hard till the end, um, to the end of getting their butts beat by New Orleans in the last game of the year. I mean, they were still playing. They were still playing hard, not well, but hard. Um, but I don't think Arthur Smith was a player's coach. You know, I don't think that he was a guy who it was easy to play for. I think that most of the people, particularly the offensive linemen, most of the veterans there respected him because they felt like he worked hard. They felt like he was intelligent. They felt like he was really trying to do right overall by them. But I don't think he was an easy guy to play for. So I can see um, he's not an easy guy to play for and we're not winning games. Something's <laughs> not, you know, that's not great. That's not a great combination. So we're going to give him a C. And that ends up being, um, you know, 30th in the league. And it's not a great look, but um, – you know, I guess, is it part of the – I don't think it, – it wasn't a factor in the decision to fire him, obviously, because the thing didn't come out right. until after he was fired. But um, it's interesting. It's notable. Yeah, that, that's kind of more of my thing is ultimately it doesn't matter. The decision's been made. I'm sure there right. are some people listening to this being like, why are we talking about Arthur Smith again? But it – Yeah, it just was kind of a – it didn't, again, mesh with – what I felt as well was that, you know, the players still respected him. They still felt like he was invested in giving them the wall. They're all like he did do some of the things that you would think players would respect, like, you know, not rushing guys back from injury, being more respectful in training camp of some of these veteran rest days and, right. and being cognizant of the workload and, and kind of these player first notions, like you said. So, yeah, that that one kind of stood out a little bit. But then in a positive light, I guess the training staff kind of the you know the nutrition all of that stuff like is that really a big deal to the players that you've talked to that you know they get to get the meals that like i ate in the cafeteria when i worked for the team it's nice it was lovely yeah but like we all all complain about the food you should hear us talking about the food they give us up here in the media room it's terrible but anyway (laughs) everybody complains about the food the food i i don't eat in the cafeteria but i can smell it from where i sit at the Falcons, and it sounds pretty good to me. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. That's, that must be. That's okay. Yeah, it's okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. But <laughs> the athletic training staff, yes, I think that's important. It's not a huge deal, but we have seen situations, uh, just a few, but they've come to a real ugly head in the NFL where a player said that they didn't think, they thought that the training staff was working against their best interest. True. In the yeah. team's best interest. That can get really ugly. And sort of and and potentially dangerous for the player if it's bad. So I, I do think it's more it's notable that the Falcons guys got an A plus, and I saw or an A minus, third or fifth in the league. Um, I saw a couple of those guys here in Indy and, and mentioned it to them, and they were they were ha- gratified to have to be seen that way. 
Yeah, I I know a, a few of those guys still as as well, and they I mean have always done great work. It, like it, yeah. it's they're great um, great dudes. So yeah, I mean, shout out to them for the uh, the good work. And it, it is notable, you know, the Falcons kind of went through a little bit of an injury spell later in the second half of last season, but by and large, I mean over the last three years, they they've been upright more often than not. Uh, it feels like the the bigger name players. Let's. Wrap it up here, Josh. Um, and again, I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Johnu Smith um, being released. I I don't think that was a surprise. You mentioned earlier, you know the the transition to the Rams style of offense, and it was it's always hilarious to me going back at the end of the year and looking at different personnel packages and just which which teams are are doing which. Like you look at New Orleans and they have eighteen different personnel groupings, like ten more than any other team. You have to believe that that's just because of the quarterback stuff and all the weird things they do there with Taysom Hill. But when you look at LA, it's like the other side of the spectrum and they're like 93% 11 personnel. And then it's just like victory formation and goal line stuff outside of that. And the Falcons were the only team in the league that had 12 personnel as their like number one personnel grouping last season. So that makes a lot of sense having Jonu Smith, Kyle Pitts as your two, you're paying two starting tight ends almost, even though we right. we didn't really look at it at the time Jonu Smith was acquired that way. Some of us did, but now moving to really an 11 personnel in a season where you got to figure out and make Kyle Pitts kind of the focal point just to, to figure out if he can do that. It makes a lot of sense. Jonu Smith is gone. Who are the other guys as you're looking at this roster and, and the way it could change a guy like Lorenzo Carter? I think could work in this defense still. I think he brings a lot of that three, four outside right. linebacker, but he can yeah. put his hand in the ground and, and do that. I would personally be fine if he's staying around. You know, do yeah. the Falcons need that cap relief so much? Taylor Heineke probably makes sense to go. Like, that's that's one I think that's easy. But Mike Hughes, Lorenzo Carter, how are you feeling about some of these defensive guys? Yeah, I'm less sure about the defensive guys because – I don't think we have a real good blueprint for exactly what this defense is going to look like. The offensive guys you can pick, you know, Keith Smith, uh, you know, I, I, fullbacks, the other tight end, Parker Hesse, you know, I, you know mm-hmm. guys that had a lot of value in the previous system and are good football players, but just are may not find a place in this roster construction. Um, yeah. Defensively, I don't have a good feel for that yet. I, I, it's going to be interesting to see. It's been a challenge, you know, doing some mock draft exercises, just trying to read up a little bit because there's elements of a lot of different things here, right? You have the holdover and the carryover of Jerry Gray. And so you're like, well, they ran a lot of man last season and they ran it pretty well at times. So do they want to kind of keep that that vibe with the D. Alford getting up in dudes faces and and everything? Or do you go with the Jimmy Lake, Raheem Morris kind of bringing over a little bit more of that Vic Fangio and you're going to kind of play off a little bit more of that zone. Like it's, it's tricky. Yeah. Looking at, at especially some of the secondary guys and maybe Jerry Gray is, is a principal part of that. Um, Looking at the front seven a little bit, do you think they're okay and, and relatively comfortable if Grady Jarrett and David Onyemata are kind of your, your base three, four like ends as your yeah. four eye, like that, because to me that that works. Like that's Dean Pease would have had that, and so a nose tackle is much easier to find than one of those end guys. So when we're talking about adding somebody on the edge, it truly is like that three four outside linebacker edge guy in your mind that we're talking about. I agree. Yes, definitely. Cool. 
Um, well, Josh, is there anything else that you think I missed here that that we should cover? I don't think so. We've covered so. a lot. We talked, we talked quarterbacks. That's most of it. Do you have anything coming down the pipe on uh, the athletic? Just you know, we're just following as close as we can. I promise, we're paying attention to all of that stuff. And we, as soon as we find anything out, we will definitive. We'll let you know. That's why it's priority reading for me, my man. But uh, again, I really appreciate the time, Josh. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode, which as always was presented by Bet Online. We will be back next week. The defensive position review series continues. We will have more draft coverage, some combine recap talk. Uh, it's all going to be coming up next week. So I'm really excited to bring you guys that. The offseason continues hot and heavy. So be on the lookout for this feed. I will talk to you guys again soon. But until then, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.